Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 41. It's just interesting that there is much research, and that's the reason why it seems like it was a bit all over the place, studies that were old or small sample sizes. And so it means to me that clinicians aren't really versed in this, and they have their own opinion. So like, you need to do your own homework so that you have a way to be able to speak to you know, the physicians and clinicians, and it makes sense when you do your own homework by trusted sources, right? So making sure that there aren't just ever it is just spouting things, which I think is really important to really look at what the source is when you're doing your information Mm -hmm. and then be able to go to your doctor and speak freely and get that second opinion. Not happy with um, what your doctor says, but get a second opinion. It's not always easy. And again, you got to pack your patients along the road with this. But if you are able to do that, you know, you're able to get the best treatment plan that you can for yourself and your child. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, my guest is Inger Shea. I'm very excited to have her here. We actually are going to dive into a comorbidity, and another guest and I had talked about comorbidities as a whole, but I wanted to talk about ADHD and bipolar because recently I've been hearing a lot about people having those two diagnoses. So I'm very excited to have her. So Inger Shea, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. <laughs> it's great to see I'm you. I'm excited when I see your face. So please tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself and why do you know so much about ADHD? Wow, a little bit about me. It's very hard for me to just tell a little bit about me, but I'll try to keep it brief. So I am a mom of a son that has ADHD. So that's what led me down the path to really looking at ADHD. I'm also a psychotherapist and an ADHD coach. So uh, when my son got diagnosed, I looked at all of the different rating scales and things they were sending. And I was like, that's me, that's me. Oh, that's me. <laughs> so all those years, I didn't even know that I had ADHD. But as you know, when we get uh, really, really interested in something, then we go down those rabbit holes. And I yeah. found out everything I could find out about ADHD and uh, brought it into my psychotherapy practice as it was interesting. We don't get a lot of information, uh, at least I didn't in in graduate school about ADHD. It was about a paragraph and it was about little boys falling out of their chairs. Little did I know there's not a lot of research for ADHD uh, in, you know, adults or things like that. So when I did my own research and I found out that I had ADHD, I decided to really become an ADHD coach and make sure that uh, everyone in my practice uh, was able to be diagnosed for ADHD. Okay. And so when were you diagnosed and what type? Oh, I was not diagnosed until I was 54. Okay. Um, So it was a few years ago and it's combined type. So I have, um, you know, it is where it's a lot of contemplative, where it's like a lot of thinking. But then there's a lot of thoughts that are going on inside of me all the time. And, you know, that's where the H comes out for me. 
<laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, so it's just very interesting. It's interesting. That makes perfect sense. So tell me again, why did you decide to go for the diagnosis? Well, uh, I was so busy helping my son that when I realized that I probably have ADHD, I wasn't able to, you know, manage ADHD, okay. uh, making sure that they get uh, all of the things that they need to be successful. Didn't leave a lot of time on my plate for myself. It wasn't until um, I'm a psychotherapist and I mm -hmm. started to lose words and okay. that frightened me. So again, I went to do some more research because I thought that I might have early onset Alzheimer's and it turns out that, you know, the ADHD and your hormones can cause that. And when I found that out and they said that treatment is one of the ways to make that, uh, make it stop, but at least to help it, that's when I decided to go on a quest to get diagnosed. And it's been a few, like two or three years now. And so happy that I went to go get a diagnosis. Okay, that makes sense. So for those who are trying to decide later in life if they even should bother getting diagnosed, I mean, there's a lot of people who have been, you know, themselves for so many years. And plus, there's that stigma around ADHD. What would your advice be to them? Absolutely get a diagnosis, or at least get treatment. The thing is, in order to get treatment, if you want to do medication, you have to get a diagnosis. You can't go with self -based. If you choose not to get a diagnosis, then you can do, um, there are different supplements, there are different natural ways to be able to manage it. There's always a therapy and coaching. However, all of them in tandem is what really makes the difference as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, I'm in my fifties, but you know, like we're dead. There's many, many years of life and you really want to live them to your fullest. And yeah. it doesn't change who you are. It actually makes you more of who you are because a lot of those racing thoughts all those like great ideas can now come to fruition because I can pick one instead of trying to do all of them yeah. so it's all, and it's helped me with my son to be able to then like slow down and be able to help him learn to manage and model what that looks like you know to manage his ADHD so I would always suggest um you know make sure that you take care of yourself and that you can have the life that you really really want when you do that yeah. And that makes sense. You know, it's really interesting when I went to talk to my therapist, you know, one of the things that they said is why would you want to struggle for the rest of your life? Right. So there is a possibility you have ADHD. Why not get tested and why not put some strategies around basically supporting your ADHD direction. And I am so glad that I did it. And I really just did it because I wanted more validation right? I really wanted to understand why I was doing the things that I was doing as I was growing up. And so that was a huge validation for me, but it became so much more once I got the diagnosis. So it does make sense. And to your point, you have so many years left. Why would you want to struggle if you don't have to? And don't get me wrong, everybody can't afford to do it, right? There are people who mm -hmm. are struggling to go to get a diagnosis. And I do recognize that, but for those who can get tested, if you can, at least for me, it's been so beneficial. Yes. I'd like to say that there's also, there is community mental health that is out there. I'm not saying it's easy to get a diagnosis because I, it's not, but there are different avenues to be able to get it instead of just um, having to go and spend thousands of with a psychiatrist or um, and someone else that can diagnose there. There are different avenues to be able to do it. I actually, I drove about an hour away from my house to find um, someone that would do it with my insurance. 
So that was great because really it was just the copay. So you just have to look around uh, vigilant. It is really important to do that. And I just always want to say, like, I was, I was already a psychotherapist. I was already having a pretty good life, but it was always just so I felt like I was juggling all the balls, like all the time running behind. And with that, having to diagnose it just made that, I uh, validated that point. And I realized I don't have to so you just, you don't have to have like a horrible life, like the ADHD is not, you know, but you can always just live a better life when you're able to distinguish what's actually going on and then take care of it. Okay. And that makes perfect sense. So would you recommend the same thing for the diagnosis of children? So if a parent, same question, if a parent is struggling, whether they should get their child diagnosed or not, what would your advice be? I definitely would get my child diagnosed. I mean, I got my child diagnosed. The thing is people think about stigma and stigma is real. And they think about labels and labels are real, but your child's going to get labeled with some type of label anyway. Mm. Wouldn't you want to be the one to control it, to control the narrative and to let your child know that they're okay, that this is not something that has stigma around it. It's just the way your brain works. Yeah. So that gives them the self-esteem to have the life that they want. So, you know, so diagnoses is just more access, access to treatment, access to um, having the schools do the things that they need to support your child and having your child uh, just understand who they are and accept that their ADHD brain is just it's OK. I love it. All right. So let's move into the topic of ADHD and bipolar. So first of all, can you define what bipolar is? You know, we could talk for hours about what bipolar actually is, because there's bipolar one, there's bipolar two, and there's a lot of different symptoms and with bipolar. We're going to try to like keep it small. So with bipolar, it's characterized by a lot of mood swings. It's a mood disorder, um, changes in energy, sometimes um, distorted like decision making. That generally, uh, it com- you know, that's the different symptoms of bipolar. Um, when you're manic, in your, your manic phase, that usually lasts for, um, the manic phase can go for uh, seven weeks. And um, when you're in the depressive phase, it can usually go for four weeks. And that's generally when they'll say that um, you have uh, bipolar. Um, some of these things can go on longer. Uh, and if you're hypomanic, it's uh, a shorter period of time. But those are generally uh, what they look for when they're going to say that you have bipolar disorder. Okay. So is bipolar something that somebody is born with, or can you develop something like this over time? Well, it's interesting. Um, they don't really know how you get bipolar. Uh, it's something that runs in families. They have figured out that the brain structure is probably different for people with bipolar than it is for other people and people with other mental health conditions, but they're not a hundred percent sure where it comes from. That's why it's important to take a family history to be able to, to have that a part of uh, your treatment plan so they can evaluate. Okay. That makes sense. So what does bipolar look like? So you said that they may go through this depression phase and a manic phase. I mean, so is mm-hmm. that really what it looks like, or is it more than that? You go through your different phases, and it's cyclical. And oh, I think I said weeks instead of days. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> scare people. Rheumatic <laughs> phase, I mean, lasts seven days, <laughs> and the hypomanic 
phase can be four days, mm-hmm. not weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will be <laughs> very scared. The phase could last two weeks. That's where it's weak. So I hope people be like, oh, I don't know what's happening. But with that, there's lots of different things that come with the mood disorder. But it is cyclical, which I think is very important because it'll happen uh, in different cycles and times where the thing is when you have ADHD, ADHD is something that's, you know, it's constant and ongoing because there's an overlap of different symptoms. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate uh, between the two. Um, it's interesting. I really hate the term disorder, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to differentiate between the two of these characteristics that people have. Okay. All right. So you did say that when somebody has ADHD and also bipolar, some of the similarities are there. So what are some of those similarities? Mm-hmm. Some of the, like excess energy, being easily distracted, frequent talking. Uh, that's one. Impulsiveness, behavioral and emotional management. Um, those are a few that definitely overlap. Okay. So and when a clinician is not skilled in about both, uh, sometimes they can look the same, especially, um, well, you know, in children and adults, because you were asking about when uh, are you born with it? Mm-hmm. They're not sure about that, but the jury is out. Generally, they say that ADHD is something that's picked up in childhood. I mean, and more that bipolar, something that's picked up when you are a teenager or like early adulthood. But now a lot of clinicians are looking to see that children have disorder and they're allowing that to be a diagnosis. So a lot of these things, they're not clear. The research is, there's not a lot of research and that's part of the issue. Mm. Um, Moving forward, I'm hoping that there's going to be, there's a lot more research. What's interesting is I did research to be able to have this conversation with you. And it was a bit all over the place because Mm. there's just not a lot of research at all on um, these two things. these comorbid, comorbid conditions. Okay. So, and that's very interesting because it's something that's been around forever, but to your point, them as a combination, I guess I'm not too surprised that it there isn't a lot of information out there on that as a combination, at least, because that's what you're saying, right? As a combination, ADHD and bipolar, there's not a lot of information out there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's not a lot of information out there, but, you know, yeah, for the condition you know, together. Yeah. And interestingly enough, again, I think that a lot of clinicians, because they're not as well-versed in the ADHD part, will then give that bipolar diagnosis because that's they know that, you know, they're more familiar with that. And that can be part of the problem. Even though um, many people that have bipolar will have ADHD, but it doesn't because you have ADHD that you're going to have bipolar. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And so how do people manage a Uh, comorbidity like this? How do they manage the ADHD and bipolar? So that was interesting also, because, you know, earlier on, uh, definitely it was, you know, you're going to treat the the disorder that is really bothering, you know, someone the most, and that's the bipolar. And, you know, many of the articles that I read, scholarly articles said that, but then there were also many articles showing now that you can treat both of them or that you can treat sometimes even the ADHD first. But uh, you need to really be in touch with your doctor 
think that's the most important thing. You need to really be in touch with your doctor and trust your doctor and write down the, you know, the symptoms that you're having and any side effects that you're having. So usually what they would say, you're going to treat the body because some, some articles say that the ADHD meds can make the bipolar worse. But then there are some articles where they find different medications that you can take um, medications for bipolar and ADHD. So again, it's just really important to, you know, trust your doctor, get a second opinion and be sure that they're all on the same page about how to treat both of the conditions. Okay. And so you mentioned medication being one of those treatments. Can people also use meditation, exercise? Are there other ways to help those two diagnoses? Mm-hmm. Uh, therapies that are usually used with um, bipolar disorder, um, family-focused therapy, sometimes CBD, but sometimes CBD, CBD can, um, it can exacerbate the bipolar. So you have to have somebody that, you know, is really well-versed in it. Um, having great structures, a structured environment is very important. Psychoeducation is really paramount of importance to be able to help with it. So there's many different therapies that you can use. Um, some of the things, uh, you know, I always liked meditation, but for some people, the having to do it in the way that most people think meditation works, you know, is not going to work for them and actually can be agitating. Because mm. when you have all those racing thoughts, uh, delusional behavior, uh, it's not so easy to do those things. So that's why these different therapies seem like they work a little better. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that, about it being agitating for some people, especially if they're not used to doing it and their mind is just moving, you know, mm-hmm. 50 miles a minute. So I didn't even think about it that way. So yeah, that's depending on you know, where you are um, and what's happening at that time, especially since the whole thing as to what is going to work. So that's why like psychoeducation is something that I really, really love. That's I use a lot for people that have bipolar disorder. Beautiful. So is there any tips that you have for parents or even adults that have both of these diagnoses? How could the parents help their children and how can adults help themselves? Well, parents, you know, your children, you know, it's always a lot of love and support with our kids and giving them that structured environment. It can be a lot to have to take care of a child that have um, ADHD and bipolar. So it's um, for you to be able to pack your own patients and realize that this is going to be a journey. Make sure that you, like I said, in, uh, know your doctor, trust mm-hmm. your doctor, um, get a second opinion so that you know you feel comfortable in the diagnosis and that it's correct diagnosis. Keeping a diary for uh, children and adults is mm-hmm. really important. So you can see like what's actually going on, how the medication helping, um, uh, learn to track moods and, you know, all the things that are the circumstances around your moods. Those things are very helpful. And for, uh, I guess it's for parents and adults and for adults to, you know, have self-compassion. There's a lot of things that are going to go on with this. When you have radical self-compassion, it can allow you to then step back and look at what's going on and then figure out the ways to be able to manage these conditions together. Um, I think that that's really important to be able to take a second and step back and then be able to, and to report that to your doctor and have that supportive environment where you can bring those things forth. 
uh, those are the ways that you're able to heal so you can move forward and have a good life. You can life even though you have these co-occurring conditions. Okay, I love that. So is there anything that you, that we haven't talked about? Any last minute thoughts around ADHD and bipolar for the audience? It's just interesting that there is much research and that's the reason why it seems like it was a bit all over the place studies that were old or small sample sizes. And so it means to me that clinicians aren't really versed in this and they have their own opinion. So like you need to do your own homework so that you have a way to be able to speak to, you know, the physicians and clinicians and it makes sense when you do your own homework by trusted sources, right? So making sure that there aren't just ever it is just spouting things, which I think is really important to really look at what the source is when you're doing your information mm -hmm. and then be able to go to your doctor and speak freely and get that second opinion. Not happy with um, what your doctor says, but get a second opinion. It's not always easy. And again, you got to pack your patients along the road with this. But if you are able to do that, you know, you're able to get the best treatment plan that you can for yourself and your child. I love that. Are there any resources out there? So I know that you said that you didn't see a lot of information, but is there anything that you could recommend, be it books or podcasts or YouTube channels, anything out there that people could go to and do some of their own research? So, you know, on the internet, there's a lot of scholarly articles. There is a uh, absurd, uh, I have uh, uh, all the, but, um, they really delve into ADHD and they have articles that own studies because that's uh, for the physicians. Okay. It's where the physicians are. And um, also, you know, different articles I said that are, you know, reviewed. So when you look at an article, mm -hmm. it's like, is it medically reviewed? That that's very important to look at is it medically reviewed. And that way you'll know that the information you're getting is correct. I really like for ADHD, um, podcast translating ADHD kind of breaks it down for everybody. Black Girl Lost Keys has a lot of information for ADHD. Uh, ADHD Essentials, it's a really great podcast um, that for parents, that's really great. Um, those are the ones that come to top of mind that, you know, I make sure that I listen to. Oh, and Women with ADHD, it's also a really great podcast. Very nice. And if anybody has any more questions for you, um, how can they get a hold of you? Oh, and I forgot to say, and you, of course, because you always do <laughs> great information. Thanks. Um, it's true, though. I do. I love to watch because I'm like, I, let me catch up some, some things when I watch uh, you and the guests that you have. I can be reached. Um, I'm at Inger Shea on Twitter and I'm at Inger Shea on Instagram. I have a uh, the page it's black women with ADHD and ingershay.com is my website. So you can find me if you, you, know, if you Google Ingershay, I'm going to appear. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can catch up with me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Ingershay, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate this. This is really good knowledge. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. You know, we just hit the tip of the iceberg with this particular topic. So again, uh -huh. I hope people go out and do their research and maybe now we can reconvene some other time and, uh, you really delve into what it is to have both these conditions. I understand. Perfect. All right, everyone, that concludes another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye, Ingershay. Bye.
Bye. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.